Hey, praise God. It's good to be together, isn't it, eh? Gathered in the house of God, enjoying what God's doing, which is amazing. And uh, just thankful to be with you guys this weekend. Uh, I know uh, a lot of the guys that did Soul Winner, you didn't recognize me without my couch, um, my sofa. Sorry about that. You're like, there's something missing about that guy. Yeah, there was, the last time we met, there was a couch behind me. And, uh, and my daughter, Gabby, obviously, who did a, a great job, eh? <coughs> so thankful for the amount of people from this church that did Soul Winner and invested that boot camp into their lives. And I want to encourage you. It's not a moment. It's an ongoing. Winning souls is what um, excites the heart of God. And as we remain committed to it, we can just know that God's blessing and favor. I don't believe that there's a blessing on people like there is when that people have got their hearts set on seeing others saved. It's just something that makes God, I really believe, really happy. Amen. It's a joy to be with you. Lovely to spend time with Pastor Paul and Sarah and get to know them a little bit better. They're a very special couple, aren't they? You do have a very special couple. I love, I love the excitement that they have in their hearts for Jesus and also the depth that they've got that they're ever wanting to keep learning, keep discovering. And uh, hey, take care of your pastors, okay? Because you've got good people there. I travel around a lot. And boy, I've seen some nasty pastors. I won't even talk about that. <coughs> but you've got good pastors there. So make sure you love and cherish them. Remember, they're gifts from Jesus to you. And as you love on them, um, that'll do you good. We've got some books there. I don't want to labor too much on this. I've got a book that I wrote especially for you called Breathe Again. I didn't really, but I actually wrote it at the same time that you were renaming yourself. And it really was around that time because I thought, oh, they'd love this book. <coughs> now, basically, it speaks about your new birth experience. The, um, you know, in Adam, we were sentenced to panting the breath of mere existence. But when we're born again, it's all meant to change. And we're meant to know the spiritual life of God back in the center and the core of who we are. So again, as you've read Soul Winner, I write really simply, this explains to you what's already happened. Because the funny thing about Christianity, right, is every other false religion, you work, you work, you work, you work, and at the end you get something. With Christianity, the moment you're born again, you get everything you're going to ever get, and then you spend the rest of your life working out what you got. So <clears throat> this is helping you to work out what you already got, all right? <clears throat> Glass of water, this is for those that want to be a mighty man, to uh, their David and Mrs. David and little Davids. It's about, you know, I wrote this one and uh, it says, if truth be told, most senior pastors would love to write a book for their leadership team called How I Would Serve Me If I Was You. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that great? The reality is most won't because they're nice, so I wrote it for them. So this is just an insight into your pastor's world so you can serve them better. God's blueprint, I wrote this 11 years ago, but it's kind of spot on for today. What does God want us to concentrate on? in not just building the church, but being the church, and Breakfast of Champions. It's just like, this has just had a life of its own for years. It's a daily devotional, 260 daily devotionals, Monday to Friday. You say, what about Saturday and Sunday? You can't handle anymore. When you get to Friday, you're done. You need a weekend to process this stuff, the level of revelation. Now, if, if my preaching offends you this morning, not a problem, that's my pleasure, um, allow me... Allow me to offend you in the privacy of your own home. Every morning, just a moment of irritation. I don't know how much more generous I could be. So Breakfast of Champions, it's written by me, but also my beautiful wife, Gina. And uh, yeah, she just brings incredible content. So those are those books there. Make sure you see Harry, who also loves to be known as Harold. I don't know if you know that. I loves to be called Harold. Um, he'll be um, at the back. 
Well, how to win friends and influence people, right? Now, I want to share with you in the time that we got today, <clears throat> not so much a message. I'm not a filing cabinet message kind of preacher. I run local church. We've got churches down in Portsmouth. Um, I have a privilege of traveling and supporting, strengthening other works. And I really sense that God's been speaking a word into my heart, a bit of a prophetic word. What do we mean by that? doesn't mean that we all suddenly go weird. It means God's saying something to his church. And I really believe what I've been hearing in my heart is really relevant for you guys. I really believe it's relevant for our nation, but I really believe that God's put a word, and it literally is a word on my heart for you, for this moment that you're in. Do you want to know what that word is? Run. 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 That's the word I'm hearing. <clears throat> now, I began to hear this a little while ago, and I thought, Lord, that's, that is you speaking over your church. Run. But not just run, there's more, there's more. Don't ask for your money back yet, there's more. Run your best lap yet. Run your best lap yet. God is speaking over his church at this time. Run, run, run. We've got to know what season we're in. Now, I love it when you read about this group of people called the sons or the people of Issachar. In First Chronicles 12.32, it says, And the sons or the people of Issachar knew what time they were in. They knew what season they were in. But what I also love, and they knew what they should do. We need to understand that we are in a new season. Listen, I don't know if someone's told you this, but COVID season is over. It's done. Lockdown's over. If you're still living in a lockdown mentality, um, that's so last season. God is doing something new. Can't you hear those verses, you know, those classic verses of Isaiah 43? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you perceive it? Can't you feel it? I can. God's doing a new thing. It's the next thing. Do we know what it is yet? No, we don't. But we know that there's a changing in the air. God is on the move. I love the way that C.S. Lewis put it in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. Aslan is on the move. <laughs> Aslan is on the move. God's doing something. But the problem is some people are still left in a former season. They're in a lockdown season. They've got their COVID slippers on when they should have their Issachar trainers on. Because COVID slippers, it's time to pack them away now. Now, I know some people are still online. Welcome me online, guys. Some people are online and they're a part of an online community. I think that's brilliant. But some people that are a part of an online community need to come home now. They need to come back to church now. Some can't. We've got an online congregation. And some of them, it's brilliant. We are online congregation. Someone plays it on a cruise ship. How fun is that? Someone plays it. I know a manager of a cruise ship, and they play it in the theatre every Sunday morning. Come on, let's use online to reach people, support people that can't come back yet for real reasons, but not to just feed people that have got their COVID slippers on when they need to get their Issachar trainers on and realise, behold, God's doing something new. He doesn't want you to miss out. <clears throat> now, there was a lockdown season in the Bible that uh, we're going to read about, but it's been interesting that when we went through that 18 months, how different people responded, wasn't it? But you had some people, and I'm a local church pastor, they disappeared and were never seen again. I've got wanted posters out around Portsmouth. <laughs> Has anyone seen this person? <clears throat> I just want to know if you're okay. We never heard from you again. Are you all right? Other people, they kind of went into COVID and treated it like a pause moment and really didn't evolve in their walk with God. But other people dug in and went, okay, let me find who I am when the crowd's not around. 
And other people came out of that season stronger. Because lockdown wasn't meant to crush you, it was meant to help you discover a personal walk with the Lord. Now there's a guy in the Bible that had a lockdown, his name was Joseph. Remember Joseph? He had a lockdown, 18 months, his was 14 years. That's a long time. You know, but Joseph, I love that moment before the door opens and the condition of him when it does. But he's been in prison for 14 years for something he didn't do. He didn't do it. He's walking around prison for 14 years. Hi, I'm Joseph. I didn't do it. Hi, I'm Joseph. <coughs> I didn't do it. I know. I can see that look in your eyes. There's filthy Joseph. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. This is a setup. This is a false accusation. But he was put into prison for something he didn't do. He went into a lockdown for something he didn't do. He didn't understand it. But one thing I know, that his lockdown didn't crush him. Because when his lockdown was over, he came out. How can we put this? Because we're Christians. Not like a bat out of hell. That's wrong. Like a dove out of heaven. <laughs> when that door opened, he went, like a dove out of heaven. I'll be gone when the morning comes. He came, he came, <laughs> he came out like a bullet. Like a bullet from a gun. He really did. That's because in lockdown, lockdown didn't crush him. Now, some people in that prison, they were in the corner of a prison cell going, lockdown, lockdown. They'd gone fetal. Lockdown, lockdown. But not Joseph. I see Joseph in the corner doing spiritual press-ups. Because he knew this wasn't funny, but one day that door's opening because God hasn't done what he said he was going to do yet. God gave me a dream. God spoke over my life. God gave me real dreams. And I've not seen those dreams yet. I've not seen what God showed me yet, which means I don't know how, I don't know when, but that door's opening. And I see him walking around in his lockdown going, the door's going to open. The door's going to open. The door's going to open. When it does, like a dove out of heaven, I'll be gone when the morning comes. For those that are younger, you don't understand. That was a meatloaf moment. You know, I'm not talking about food either. Now, <coughs> he's walking around and all of a sudden, one day he's walking around. Now, we know he's spiritually fit because he's operating in his gifts. You know, Mr. Bar Mr. Cupbearer comes. Mr. Baker comes. And, 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 he, and oh, oh, Mr. Baker, wish he hadn't come. Well, sometimes you get a prophetic word and you're like, yeah, I wish I'd stayed dumb. But this moment comes, he's prophesying, but nothing's happening. It was five years or so afterwards that the cupbearer remembers him. Isn't God funny the way he does things? Don't you just love him? It doesn't happen in our time, but it does in his. But all of a sudden, he's walking around and all of a sudden, he hears that sound. Click, click, click. And he says, that's that door opening. That's that door opening. And some people were like, uh, uh, in the corner, he's like, let me at him. And it says when you read through the, the storyline, in, 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 we all know the storyline of Joseph, right? You've seen the film, you've read the book. All right, let's just have a test. I close my eyes, pull back the curtains. Yeah, we're all on the same page. <coughs> That's great, enough of us anyway. There comes that moment where suddenly the leader of the nation is having a dream he can't understand. His guys can't interpret it. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer steps into position that's forgotten about this guy for years. God has moments when everything comes together. If you're in a moment of confusing, you need to understand. You've got to see the big picture. God has moments where everything comes together. And in this moment, the cupbearer says, I know a man who can interpret your dream. And suddenly he said, send for him. And that's the moment. Click, click, click. The door opened. Like a dove out of heaven, I'll be gone. When the and he comes, vroom, Harley's right in. And he says to the guy, here I am. Washed, showered, ready to go. He didn't go, 
I need some time off. I need some time off. I do. He said, what's your problem? He said, you can answer my dream. He said, I can't do nothing. But my God can. And suddenly he interprets, he operates in the gift of the, the Spirit. <clears throat> and suddenly he moves from being a prisoner in, in lockdown to being second in charge of a nation only to the leader himself. What a difference a day makes. 24 little hours. It's when God moves. Sorry, a lot of these songs are old. I know. I don't know the kind of word. I don't know that saying. Okay, let's have a go for you. You could put him in a prison, but you'll never take his vision. Word. Is that okay for you? <laughs> you could put him in a pit, but you'll never make him quit. Word. I just want to include everyone, you know. So embarrassing when you're so old, isn't it? In a moment, everything changed, but he was ready for that moment of change, and he was ready to run. He stepped into position and did the things that God had told him he would do. Now, I'm here in run, and it's a word that's over you as a church, but also you as a people. This is time to make sure your COVID slippers are packed away, your Issachar trainers are on, that you're back in the house of God, saying, come on, you've got a plan. Do you know, people are freaking out out there. You know, the minute they stop talking about COVID, they start talking about monkeypox. I mean, come on. The media's like, how can we scare them now? But we've got the answer. We've got Jesus Christ and the promises of God, the creator. Every, it says in the book of Hebrews, everything that can be shaken will be shaken to reveal that which can't, which is the kingdom of God. We're kingdom people. We've got the answer. It's time to us to break out as a church and say, come on, let's change the world or something. When I wake up in the mornings, I look in the mirror and I'm like, come on, Andy Elms, come on, change the world. I'm like, Dale Boy, this time next year I'll be a millionaire. No, <laughs> come on, Andy, change the world, mate. God's with you. There's a run in my life, but we need a run in the church. So when I say run, run your best lap yet, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with the laps that you've had as a church. Some of them, and the laps of our life. There's good, bad, and ugly, isn't there? You look back, or I look back on some of my previous laps, if laps were years, and I look back on some and I say, that one, a bad one. I look on, back on others and I'm like, I just don't want to talk about that one. I just don't want to talk about that one. I look back on others and I say, oh, that was a fine claret of a year. That was my finest year, yeah. But God's saying, forgetting what lays behind, now reach forward. Don't be, don't be a prisoner to your past. It will cost you your future to live in the past. You may have had good laps, bad laps, ugly laps, but your best lap is here right now. Get your Issachar trainers on. Get ready as a church to do what? Soul winning, disciple making, being filled with spirit, led by the spirit. Come on, let's get back to the stuff that matters. You know, this year was difficult for me because normally at the beginning of the year, we do our vision Sunday. We, everybody kind of does that at one point or another around January or Feb. And this year, I was like, what's the vision, Lord? He said, there isn't one. I went, oh, okay, am I done? Have I retired? Am I going to go sit in a rocking chair? He said, no, I want you to get back to mission. Because when mission serves vision, there's a problem. Because vision was always meant to serve mission. And the mission is the great commission. Be a people going after souls, discipling people. So I really felt the Lord say to me, don't talk about vision this year, talk about mission. Come on, we're going to be a soul winning church. We're going to be a disciple making church. We're going to be a people that help people to get baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, to live their best life yet in God. Amen. 
So there's a call for you, and I want to just challenge you. Step forward if you haven't stepped forward yet. Don't be a spectator. Step forward. Don't be, don't be somebody that's sitting and watching. Come and join the team. Do anything. Get on a team. Say, I want to be a part of a team race. I want to be a team runner. I want to be somebody that's not sitting in the bleachers watching, but I'm on the track. Now, the Bible speaks stacks about running, doesn't it? I'm going to turn my Bible to, hey, turn your Bibles anywhere you want, but I'm turning mine to, to Hebrews. I know we live in a society where you've got to, you know, not dominate people and that. So feel free to just turn yours wherever you like. But it will make more sense if you come with me to Hebrews 12. Now, I can't teach you everything. I haven't got time. But just think about it. If you're in Genesis and I'm in... Yeah, okay, that's enough on that, right? She's not going to match up, is it? So if you'd be so kind, you could go to Hebrews 12. And we've even put it on the screen behind you. <clears throat> Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance this race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter, the pace setter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right-hand side of the throne of God. That's our Jesus. I love those verses because it says, number one, think of those who ran before us. They've run their race. They don't need you to try and win their race. Well, I was, uh, I was thinking, brother, I wish I was alive in the days of Wigglesworth. Tough, you're not. You're alive now. And if you were, he'd probably punch you in the stomach or something. So just get real with it. You're alive today because God wants you alive today. Stop looking back. Say, how can I be a wiggy in my generation? How can God do something through me in my generation? <clears throat> because the saints of old have run their race. We're not called to run their race. We're called to run ours. And I think of that great cloud of witnesses leaning over heaven going, do you know the moment that you're in? Do you know that life isn't circular, it's linear, and you are going head on towards the second coming of Jesus Christ. Do you know this isn't circular, it's linear, there's a beginning and there's an end, and you are coming close to the... And it went, oh, what are you going to do for me, God? Come on, let's listen to the great cloud, this is art. Do, 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 do. I'm just getting pumped right now, you know. There's a tiger running around going, where's me eye? Where's me eye? You know, eye of a tiger, this is it. <laughs> I mean, this is good stuff. But what it says, it basically says to us, make sure you're not in the stands watching. Isn't it funny at football matches? All the experts in the stands that aren't playing. I don't really like football. Sorry, don't stone me to death. But I love going to watch the crowd. I love watching that quiet guy that sits there on Sunday going, suddenly go, get off of him, get over, what you doing? I'm like, look at you, pumpkin. <laughs> Next morning in church, oh, must have been a moment. We come out of the stands, because this is our race. We get on the track and say, give me a lane. Stop fighting over lanes. But I wanted his lane. No, no. You got yours. What's God asked you to do? What's the pastor asked you to do through God? Well, I don't serve man. I just serve Jesus. Think about it. What does Jesus need from you? Well, I serve him in my worship. Your worship isn't service. It's adoration. The way that you serve God is you serve people. 
Come on, put two and two together. I'm serving the Lord. What are you doing exactly? Well, nothing. Exactly. The way we serve an unseen God is we serve seen people. Come on, get on the track. I don't care what lane you put me in. I just want to be running with you. And then it says, get rid of the baggage that can slow you down. You ever seen those backpacks they wear in the Royal Marines when they go on a yomp? I can't even pick them up. But that's what some Christians are like. I'm out of a stance. I'm on the track. I'm in my lane. I still want that lane, but I'll have this one. Oh, still want that one. Want that one. But I'll get this one. But I've got this backpack on. Get it off. Get the garbage off your back. Stuff you're carrying. Get it off. Talk to a pastor. Get set free or something. Get that baggage off. Because God wants to put another baggage on you. But also it says don't be ensnared by the sin that so easily... Imagine running when your foot's in a bear trap. <laughs> I'm on the track. I'm in my lane. I haven't got the bag. In, but it's because you've got something gripping you. Imagine if you ran with me holding your leg. It wouldn't be really too fast, would it? We've got to make sure that we're getting rid of stuff. Pride. I'm not talking about sex and sin and drugs and rock and roll. I'm talking about pride. Arrogance. Unforgiveness. Get that stuff out of your life. Get done with it. Because you want to run your race for God. So we've got a corporate run, but I want to make this even a little more kind of awkward and say every one of us have also got a personal one. And you are responsible for your personal run with Jesus Christ. And God is speaking over you today as he's speaking into me. Don't live the lap that you've run already. Run your best lap yet. With all that you've learned from the other laps, run your best lap yet. Come on, get out of the stands. Get on the track. Now... I want to share something with you that really just blew my mind recently. And I was at a tribute service and a funeral when this came to me. And when it came to me, I thought, when did I last hear someone preach on that? And I couldn't remember. I went back to her when I was about nine or ten. And I'd never heard anyone preach on this. Yet actually, this is the fuel and the motivation why we run. And when this isn't correct, we need other things like titles. We need incentives. You do this and God does that. You do this, your church will do that. But that's just garbage when we understand that Jesus promises us something. And I don't know if you've ever heard this. It's called the winner's crown. The winner's crown. We need to begin to preach again on the winner's crown. Now, I was at a funeral or tribute service of somebody that became a dear friend of my life. He became a pastor to me. And his name was Colin Urquhart. And I know some of you know Colin. You think, you and him were friends. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> but we were. And I really loved that man. And they asked me if he came to come to a tribute service and be a part of it because of the friendship we had. And at the tribute service... They used this verse for his life. And as they did it, I said, that's perfect for Colin. But I also want that to be the verse that's used on me many years from now, if Jesus tarries, when I go to glory. It says in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Listen to this. I have fought the good fight. That doesn't belong to pastors and leaders. That's every believer's testimony. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I finished my race. I did what I was meant to do. 
I kept the faith. Listen to this. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, a winner's crown, which the Lord, the righteous judge, Jesus, will award to me on that day. But then listen to what Paul says. This is a bit that just jumped out, revelation slammed. It said, and not only to me, but also to every person who has lived with a longing of my appearing. Stop and think. Paul is saying, I never received a reward in this life for the abuse I put up with, the things I had to walk through. But I was never looking to this life for a reward. He said, I've run my race. He said, I'm getting ready to go to heaven. He wasn't losing. Why do we make death sound so much so often when people have lived a long life? Like they're losing. One day we'll get to heaven and realize maybe they won. And Paul says, this is what's, can you feel the presence of God? This just feels this way. He says, Paul says, I'm going to go to heaven now. I'm going to close my eyes in this life. And when I open them in the one to come, Jesus Christ will be standing there. And he'll give me a crown that was in store with my name on it. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did the things I asked you to do. Yet then Paul says, and there's a crown in store for everyone that lived full on and faithfully to God in the life they lived in the here and now. How can you say this politely? There's a crown, man. <laughs> There's a crown. There's a crown. This isn't fake. There's a crown. People said to me, were you sad when Pastor Colin graduated off to glory? I went, yeah, selfishly, because all of our grief has a selfish element. They're fine. It's us. It's our loss, isn't it? But I said, it's washed away in that moment. Now, Colin had this very unique way of just looking at you like this. You see, brilliant. You're like pouring at you. And I just think of that moment when that man who had served the Lord full on for 60, 70 years, lived in revival for over 50, opened his eye, looked up, and there was the one he'd lived for on earth, giving him a crown. There's a crown. Why do you need to do what you do for Jesus? Because there's a crown, man. There's a crown. This is real. And if you live for him full on here, well, everybody gets the crown. No, they don't. Everybody gets the robe of righteousness because that's inherent and righteousness is a gift that comes through faith in Christ. But the crown is for those who ran. You know, some people are going to walk in and they've lived for themselves their whole life going, all right, where's my crown? Where's my crown? I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think some angel is going to tap them on the, and say, when were you good? When were you faithful? And when was it you served? God's not going to give token crowns out, but he's going to give crowns to people that ran. You know, and when they're giving out crowns in heaven, we're going to be amazed that they're going to say, where's Betty Norris. We're going to like, oh, it was Betty Norris. 
for goodness sake, Betty Norris is good. She cleaned the church for 50 years and no one ever saw her do it. This isn't about Billy's going to get a crown and, and, and I'm not going to. Billy Graham's going to get a crown as a reward for what he did in response to what God asked him to do. And so are we. There's two words used for crown in the Bible. One word is the diadem, and that's the crown that belongs to the king. But then the other word that's used here is stephanos. And the word stephanos translates as winner's crown. It's used a few times during the scripture. There's a stephanos, there's a winner's crown. But Jesus Christ, man, it's gonna, <laughs> Jesus. Now you say, well, I'm not sure. You're going to die. Let me just tell you two things that are certain. Tax, right, and death. <laughs> no way out. I just wish they came the other way around. But, um, you can soak in oil of you, lay. You're getting old. Because <laughs> this is the seed that you sow for the field that's coming. Serve, give, serve again, give again. Not because someone's watching, not because you get a title, because you know in your heart, there's a crown, man. You know what gets me out of bed when I don't want to get out of bed? It's a crown, man. When I keep going, when everybody's chucking stuff at me, there's a crown. You can't give me anything that will keep me going. There's a crown. It's a crown. Don't you love that? Queen Victoria, she was a bit of an unusual woman, wasn't she? All right? But one thing I love about Queen Victoria was she said this statement. I long to see the return of Christ with my eyes in my time so I would have the privilege to take the crowns given me by man and throw them at his feet. Awesome. Good on you. She wasn't very good at parenting. Watch the documentary. But that was genuine in her heart. Because when we get our crowns, we're going to cast them at his feet. I want something big to throw at his feet when, he, when, it, when it comes that moment, don't you? <clears throat> We've got we to understand, you know, that word crown, if you look up the word Stephanus, it means the wreath or garland given as a prize to the victorious one in public games. If you live victorious for Christ in this public game called life, there's a crown for you. We've got to make that crown more important than some of the other stuff. Because some people don't run to get a crown because of other things that are happening in life. Ever so briefly, another time that this crown is mentioned, Stephanus, is in Revelations 2, verse 10. Remember, we're living in a time now where... People go, I can't go to church, life's tough, the milkman didn't deliver the milk and I haven't had my cornflakes. It's like, grow up. I'm not going to that church anymore. There wasn't a muffin or a donut left when I got to the coffee. They ate them all, they're animals. Two words, grow, space, new word, up. Up, grow up, grow up. What we put down as persecution is a mockery to those that experienced it. And today, across Nigeria apparently, there's never been more people martyred because all they did was say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Go back to Scottish history and read about the Covenanteers 
who were imprisoned and tortured because they wouldn't acknowledge the king as king of kings, only Jesus. Go back through the Fox's Book of Martyrs. We're doing all right at this time, aren't we? But when you go to the book of Revelations, chapter 2, you read about the church in Smyrna. I like that name. Smyrna. That's just my, I have fun with it. Smyrna. I go to bed. Smyrna. Where are you from? Smyrna. <coughs> but in that, there was a pastor that gave a speech or a message to the church in the morning that wasn't a preach because the letters are written in, lead, in red, which meant the letter was from Jesus coming through the pastor to the people. And basically, the letter went something like this. I'll, I'll paraphrase it to save time. He said, they're coming for you, and when they come, they will take you. But if you don't deny Jesus for 10 days, you will receive the winner's crown. All right. Doesn't sound too difficult, does it? Till you begin to open it up. At that moment in history, the emperor thought he was God, and if you didn't worship him, you were in. Remember John, who they boiled in oil and they couldn't kill him, John? And what they did within two weeks, it's recorded, they came and they took the pastor. And for 10 days, he was tortured. And all he needed to do was deny Jesus. But he wouldn't do it. And after 10 days, they tried to burn him to death, but they couldn't get him to catch light. Isn't that brilliant? Just kind of funny in a very sad moment. And they ran him through with a sword. Come on, we've got to begin to own up to some of our pathetic excuses of why we can't run, we won't serve, and we won't give our best to Jesus Christ. We need to grow up, get serious, know the moment that we're in. This isn't a moment to play around. The 80s are over, the 90s are over. We're now in a moment that's on a linear line that's closer to the second coming of Christ than ever before. And look around at society in the world. It can't keep going at this pace of decline. Jesus is coming soon. We need to do everything we can to get as many people in the ark and love him as we can. Time's kind of gone, but 1 Corinthians 9.24 gives us other advice. Paul loved to refer, didn't he, to athletic examples. And when you read through his verses in Corinthians, um, he begins to say, and if you're going to run, don't run aimlessly. Don't punch the air like you're just going through the motions. What's Paul saying? Run. Run like you mean it. Serve like you mean it. Give like you mean it. Walk with Jesus closer than you ever have before. Not fueled by religious obligation, but the knowledge that there remains in store for you and me. A crown, man, that one day Jesus Christ. Now we know that it says that in the great banquet, Jesus will serve. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus would serve the people because he's a servant king. We have this opportunity before he serves us to serve him. And I just want to encourage you today. Run. Breathe new life. I normally call it breathe again, church. Quick plug for the book there. <laughs> Breathe new life, church. Run. Don't be held captive by previous laps. Run. 
Run your best lap now. Pack away your COVID slippers. Some people have got one COVID slipper on and one, one train. Get both trainers on. Don't be held by a lap where it all went wrong. Forgetting what lays behind the good, the bad, and the ugly. Run, run, run. Do more soul winning than you ever have before as a church. Do more disciple making than you've ever done before. Get people baptized in water like last week, over and over again. But don't just get them wet. That's like the ice bucket challenge. Let them know their old man is dead and they're risen and filled with the Holy Ghost to be a new creation walking in the newness of life. But also, it's time for some of you in your own world where no one's looking to step out of the stands, to get on the track, to get the baggage off. When this happened and that happened and this happened before I was even born. But get it off. Get your foot out of anything that's sin, that's slowing you down. Set your gaze on the pacemaker. Never really been to the Greyhounds, but I've seen them on the movies. And you know that moment before they let the dogs out? This little white fuzzy thing. Goes, and they all, after this white, not comparing that to Jesus, but kind of same sort of thing, you know? Let's make him our pace setter. The one who ran a race that meant he was stretched out on a cross. Yet for the joy that was set before him, he endured something so painful, so torturous. But it was his race and you were the prize. And he still says you're worth it. When the father looks at us and says, they're like Muppets, aren't they? He says, look at my hands. Remember what we paid for them, Lord. Look at the holes. Do you know that Jesus is a man in heaven and he has holes in his hands and his blood still speaks over you. His sacrifice still declares freedom. He came as a spirit and rose as a man. We have a man in heaven that's our intercessor and representative who knows everything we've ever been through, is not unaware, yet head over heels in love. Come on, you get me preaching again. Stop it. Stop it. Someone's like, give me more. No, you've had enough. You've had, please more. No, you've had enough. Now you're getting greedy. You've had enough. I've given you enough revelation today. Get my books. There's plenty more in there. Daily, you can read the devotional. Come on. If there's someone here today, and maybe you don't belong to Jesus, you don't know if you're his and he's yours believe me if you did you would <laughs> because when you become a Christian he places your life takes it from separation and places it in his son and then he places the life of his spirit in you if you've never given your life to Jesus if you've backslidden and it's time to come back maybe you've been giving your life to other races that don't fulfill you they never could the prodigal son had to realize there's nothing out there everything you need is in the father's house save yourself pig food and a bad journey just believe in that you're you're in the father's house best place ever you know i backstead for eight years and i so regret it 
Why? Because, man, what could God have done with those eight years, you know? I know he redeemed me, he healed me, delivered me from everything that was buying. Oh, I wish I could have those eight years back so I could just say, they're yours too, Jesus, you know? Hey, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, the question isn't, why would you? It's, why wouldn't you? <laughs> He's the best. Life with him is the best. He doesn't just give you salvation, he gives you purpose. I'm so thankful for the purpose of God for my life. Now, a lot of you know that. Before I got born again, right, this was my dream for my life, right? I left school at 15 with no education, and I was like a barra boy. I just sold fruit and veg. A lot of makes sense now, right? And I sold fruit and vegetables, right? And that's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to open loads of fruit shops. But no, it was okay. In the evening, I did Elvis impersonations. Thank you very much. I did. I wanted to be Elvis in the days before karaoke, where you went into a disco, took the mic off the DJ and go, there's a little number for you. <laughs> and that was my life. I'm going to sell fruit and veg. I was good at it. Don't mock me. And in the evening, I was going to be Elvis. And that was it. I can remember when the careers officer said to me, now I left school just before they asked me to leave, but I did have that appointment. <laughs> and he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a greengrocer and I want to do Elvis impersonations. My dream is I could be a redcoat at Butlins. Oh my goodness, I've arrived now. And they said, no, seriously. I said, no, I am being serious. He said, have you fought the military? I said, hell no. Why would I do that? Looking back on my plans and purposes for my life, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Imagine, I'd be like Elvis in Vegas now, wouldn't I? Fat Elvis, you know? It would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? I mean, back in the day, I was, I was like, I've been so lonely. Now, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I wish I was in the land. Yeah, it's a, no, it wouldn't have worked. I'm so glad that he apprehended me. Gave me salvation and purpose. And he'll do the same for you. Would you close your eyes with me? Let's just pray this prayer together. Let's just all over this room speak this prayer. It won't hurt you. Do you good. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For sending Jesus to die on a cross for me and as me so that I could be born again and have a brand new start. Jesus, I believe in you and I call you Lord. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your life. Let me be born again. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and making me your own. Let me know your purposes for my life. Amen. Just my every head's closed. Every head's closed. That's hilarious, right? Every eye's closed. Every head's bowed. Every head's closed. That would be terrible. Why would you do that? Every eye closed. Every head bowed. 
If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, or you've been just playing games with God, that's all right. He knew this day was coming. And you want to say today, I want to surrender my life fully to him. I want to be his. I want to be his. I want to run my life for him so that I know that there's a heaven one day for me and a crown that's waiting in store for me. If that's you, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you just to do something really brave. I'm going to ask you when I say three to lift your hand. I'm not going to suddenly spring it on you, drag you forward. I'm not going to do any of that stuff, I promise. This is just you making a confession from the belief in your heart. Because if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved, right? So this is a moment for you to say, forgetting what lays behind, I'm going to go for Jesus now. I'm giving him my life for the first time or I'm returning my life to him. Here we go. One, get ready. Get ready. You don't want to miss this. Two, you've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. Here we go. Not looking around. Three. Anyone brave enough to say, yeah, hey, God bless you. God bless you. There's two people. Beautiful lady here. Got a gentleman over here. Got a gentleman here. Got a gentleman here. What, what's that? That's about four. There's, there's five. There's six. Isn't this awesome? There's seven. No one's calling anyone a sinner. We're just getting right with God. Anybody over here? You're kind of quiet over here. Is number eight over here? Anybody here? And you say, oh, go on then. Go on. Don't shut the door yet. I'm coming. Pop your hand up if you're number eight. We've got about seven people that have responded to Jesus. Oh, that's fantastic. Number eight. Thank you for that. Thank you. It's a number nine. It's a number nine. Come on, you've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. If everything I've said isn't true, you've lost nothing. But if everything I've said is true, you gain everything in one moment of time. Come on, number nine. We're so close to ten. Come on, work with me. Work with me. If God's... God bless you. I see your heart. I see your heart. I see your heart. Come on, number ten. Number ten. Got a door shutting. Come on. That doesn't mean that you can't go home this afternoon and pray or come back next week and respond. All that's possible. But what if Holy Spirit's saying right here, right now? Is there a tenth person? And you say, say, I think we're done. We're done. God bless you. There's a tenth person. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? Let's give God a big round of applause for drawing the hearts of people. Let's give the people a big round of applause for being total legends. That's awesome. Listen, if you lifted your hand, someone could approach you and say, just want to check you've got everything you need. You are free to say to them, clear off. All right? Or, if you could give us just a couple of minutes there, because there's some stuff they want to give you. They want to give you a £20 note. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. All right. They want to admit, just, they just want to say, come on, let's help you now. Take the next step. Don't be embarrassed. It's a good thing. So is that good? So, hey, we've had a good time this morning. We got somewhere, didn't we? I think your future is incredible. It's amazing. Get excited about it. It's time to run your best lap yet. And, um, hey, there's some books up there. Um, they're all priced. Harold, remember Harold? He's going to hook you up, all right? And there's a deal that's three books for 25 if you're after three of them, all right? God bless you. Best days are here. Amen.